Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So it turns out that the FBI did do a search of Joe Biden's office there at the UPenn Biden Center. This was the office he had after he was vice president under Barack Obama, but before he ran for president. So he had it for a couple of years. Right there in D.C., paid for by the University of Pennsylvania. Lord only knows what the rent roll was on that place. Lord only knows who was walking through where there were, of course, classified documents just hanging about. Oh, they were in a locked closet. Locked by whom? Who had a key? It's not like the locked closet at Mar-a-Lago where the lock was put on by the Secret Service. No, no, no. This was Biden's crack squad of lock putter-uppers who put a lock on the door. Because as you know, when you when you have new construction, they use the finest quality locks in the land. The closet was locked. It's embarrassing sometimes to hear this man speak. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. And I'm talking about him, I'm talking about his team. His team that has been unable to get ahead of this scandal, which of course it is. We said it is. It continues to be, regardless of Trump and classified documents, regardless of of Pence, former Vice President Mike Pence and classified documents, this is a scandal for Joe Biden. It is what it is, what it is, what it is, and it cannot be denied. This is a scandal for Joe Biden. And what is making it worse is the drip, drip, drip. It is stunning. You can't get all this information out at one time and end the story so people stop talking about it. Every week we've got something else. What do we learn now? That while it was reported by his lawyers, these classified documents on November 2nd, turns out that the DOJ, the FBI, did a search in November of that office. Why weren't we told then? Why weren't we told then? Why did it take so much time? And then why didn't we know about the the Delaware homes until a month later? I'm sorry, two and a half months later. And then why didn't we know about the garage? Then why didn't we know about Hunter Biden's access? Why didn't we know? Why didn't we know? Why didn't we know? And why did the the White House, via Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, tell us, for example, that a search was complete in the home six times, only to then find out the next day that they found more classified documents? What's weird is they found the classified documents on a, a, a Wednesday. She told us that everything was cleared up on a Thursday. Search was complete, search was complete six different times, and then the announcement came on a Friday. But they knew about it on a Wednesday. Oh, it's just a mess. And that's part of the incompetence conversation here. And if you want to talk about something that really has uh, Democrats infuriated, how are they supposed to go about, well, going after Republican policies if all they are forced to do is to defend the incompetence of the administration. I mean, that's, look, there there are times where Republicans are put into this position. Incompetence forcing you to get off of your messaging to engage new messaging, man, that is frustrating. The Biden administration for over a month has handled this poorly. For over a month, they have failed on this topic. It is impossible to defend. Now, now we're not talking about the having of classified documents. We're talking about the incompetence of the team to be able to get 
past the story. That's become the story. I mean, think about how how stunning that is. The story is not about the having of classified documents anymore, as much as this is a story about the White House being totally incompetent and unable to put this story to bed. Well, of course, the classified documents is also a big part of the story. And then, of course, learning today that the FBI is searching his beach house outside Rehoboth Beach. That's in Delaware, people. But that other part is worth mentioning, so I mention it. Tom Brady retires again. I've got that story up next. This is Tony Katz today. So Sean Payton, he's heading over to the Denver Broncos. That's right. The former coach of the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, the Colts aren't going to get him. Colts aren't going to get him. Hey, they may have never been in the market for him in the first place. But he's going to Denver. And then you got D'Amico, uh, was it D'Amico Ryans? That's it. Uh, defensive brain there for San Francisco. Nope, Texans got him because he used to play for the Houston Texans. Uh, there's, I was the linebacker, right? Point is, the Colts lose out on two very worthwhile football minds. Two. They've interviewed everybody under the sun, but they still don't have a coach. They don't have a coach and coaches are going to start getting taken and what are we going to be left with well it seems to the outsider which i admit that i am the outsider looking in the jim ursay is just fine with this saturday ballard selection i don't know how but it certainly looks like he is and then of course we got uh the the breaking news about tom brady we'll get to all of that in just a moment Tony Katz, good to be with you, everybody. JMV joins us from 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Before we get uh, to the coaching, it's IU losing to Maryland. And this before the game against Purdue. They just get back in the top 25. The pressure get to them, or is Maryland really that good of a team and exposing some serious IU flaws? No, Tony, Maryland's okay and, and unbeaten at home. And you knew this was going to be tough for IU. IU just kind of went back to some of their similar ways, some of their old ways. They fouled way too much. They sent Maryland to the free throw line way too much. In fact, Mike Woodson, IU's coach after the game, Tony, had mentioned that he thought that the officiating was lopsided because of that. But if you watch the game, a lot of those fouls were absolutely legit. It was being out of position. It was reaching. And that gave Maryland a huge advantage, which they already had at home anyway. So they shot a lot of free throws, and that's detrimental. And then, Tony, you and I have talked about this a number of occasions regarding IU basketball. They're going to go as far as they can get help and support for Trace Jackson Davis. And Trace Jackson Davis had 18 points, 20 rebounds last night, and nobody else did anything, including Jalen Hood Shafino, the outstanding guard, who shot, I think, one of 13 or one of 14 from the floor. So Trace got no help. It was all the qualities that nobody wants to see as an IU fan that kind of led them to where they were prior to that five game losing streak. And it all kind of came together in college park, Maryland last night. And then when you play like that, if you're IU, you're logically going to lose the game. And they did. You uh, think this sticks in their head as they get ready to take on Purdue or is uh, Woodson capable of getting these guys to shake this off? Well, I mean, they're going to be at home at IU on, on Saturday, Tony. That's always a great advantage because the atmosphere is going to be fantastic. But it all hinges on the type of support that Trace gets around him. If he gets support like he did last night, 
they, they're not going to have a lot of chances, especially on the road, to win if he gets some support. If Tamar Bates makes some shots on Sunday, or Saturday, I should say, surprisingly enough, if Craig Galloway makes shots, can stay in the game, doesn't get into foul trouble, that can make things different. But it all hinges on the type of support that Trace gets. And Purdue's going to be tough because Purdue can not only run guys in and out of there, Tony, as we well know, but you talk about closing game situations they are as good as anybody, both at home and on the road. So it's going to be difficult for IU, but certainly that home atmosphere is going to give them and should give them a huge bump, no question. Talking to JMV, 93.5, 107.5, the fan in beloved Indianapolis, Indiana. Let's move it over to the NFL. We are, you've got a Super Bowl coming up in a couple of weeks, and of course people are getting hired as coach left and right. Uh, I said the words on this show. The insanity of the coaching decision in Indianapolis is going to let Frank Reich off the hook, and you'll see that man with a head coaching job. I said that on this show. He's now the coach of the Carolina Panthers. Sean Payton, who would someone people would consider a top choice for head coach, not coming to Indianapolis. He's going to Denver. D'Amico Ryans going back home to, to the Texans where he started his career uh, playing defense. Uh, from San Francisco, he'll be the Texans' head coach. We don't have a coach yet this is embarrassing tell me why i'm wrong well here's a couple of things one they weren't going to be in the sean payton race anyway because that involves compensation and they don't have the level of compensation they want to part with uh you know a a first round pick a third round pick a first round pick a fourth round pick to give to new orleans as tradable compensation for sean payton so when they, they were never going to be in that neighborhood of even the thought process of having him. And D'Amico Ryans is a little bit different. I don't even think they had conversations because D'Amico Ryans mostly talked with Denver, and then Denver obviously went with Sean Payton. But D'Amico Ryans, Tony, was a linebacker in Houston. So the thought was all along that he probably would end up with a team that he played for in the past, the Houston Texans, and he absolutely did. I, I don't blame you for feeling this way, though because it is incredibly awkward. There are a lot of things out there that you kind of wonder, all right, is it taking so long? Why is it taking so long? It's the Colts and the Cardinals remaining. No doubt it is awkward. Here's what I would do if I were you right now. You may put a focus on Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator of the Bengals, because it kind of feels like that maybe this guy is a dude you could circle. And if they're going to go a first-time head coach, go on the offensive side of the football a lot of success with the Bengals. I'm not a first-time head coach guy. You know that I've told you this before with this particular group. If that's the direction they go, that very well could be the guy, Brian Callahan. You're talking about the guy who was the quarterback's coach of the Oakland Raiders. He was a quarterback's coach for the Detroit Lions. So he's he's worked with Derek Carr. He's worked with uh, Matt Stafford. He's worked with uh, uh, Joe Burrow. Uh, the problem is... He doesn't seem to have been in places where he didn't work with quarterbacks who could already do the gig. Yeah, well, there's no doubt. Hey, listen, he's worked with guys, no doubt. Joe Burrow, I mean, you look at Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, that's a ready-made offense for you right there. But you got to start somewhere, you do, and you got to factor in that the Colts are going to start new. They better be starting it new with a rookie quarterback coming in. This is just my thought. Because he sticks out better for me than a guy like Shane Steichen 
the offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles. He sticks out more. Uh, he gets the endorsement, if that matters to anybody, and it kind of does to me, the endorsement of Peyton Manning, that is Brian Callahan. So if there is somebody that I'm going to circle. Wait, wait, wait. Whoa, whoa. Yes. Whoa. Yes. He gets the endorsement of Peyton Manning? Well, let me tell you this. Peyton Manning does endorse a lot. Um, he's in, <laughs> Some of his endorsements in the past include Frank Reich uh, here, uh, Adam Gase, I believe either in Miami or with the Jets, and Peyton also endorsed Matt Ryan as a quarterback last year. So uh, I'm not trying to take anything away from Peyton. I trust Peyton a great deal, but he does tend to people he's worked with and been with in the past support them a great deal. And certainly in those cases, he has, and he has also with Brian Callahan. Peyton Manning is involved in the decision of who becomes the Colts' next coach? No, no, no. He just has mentioned in support he believes he is going to be a really good head coach one of these days. That's an endorsement. It's going to be Jeff Saturday, isn't it? It might be. It might be. I will tell you this. Can I, can I give you something? And this Please. is some hearsay. Here's some hearsay. Um, I was told a couple of days ago that, that Jeff knows that he's not going to get it and went through the second layer of interviews because of his relationship with Jim and knows that Chris Ballard doesn't want him and doesn't really want to have to mess with the relationship between he and Ballard. We'll see if that turns out to be true. Again, it's always going to be Jim Ursay decision-wise that it comes down to. But at the same time, somebody had told me that a couple of days ago, and we'll see. We'll try to track down and see if that uh, comes to fruition. That's one thing about this, Tony. This whole search and this whole situation for the next head coach has been led about as quietly from this group as I can remember. Normally there are leaks everywhere, really no leaks whatsoever here. The only thing you hear from would be those that are representing the coaches that come in and interviews, and then the Colts ultimately suggesting on uh, social media, Tony, that they just had interviewed this particular prospect. But right. that's something to remain aware of from a couple of days ago is, is what I was told on my show. We'll see. We we will do that, of course, talking to JMV from 93.5, 107.5, the fan right here in Indianapolis. Uh, it's it's Tom Brady putting out the video right from the shores of Tampa Bay. He's like waiting in the reeds or whatever it is he's doing. And he's like, I, I am I am retiring. I am retiring. And this time it is 100% for real and for good. Listen to this. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. So I uh, won't be long-winded. Like you only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me. He gets emotional in this thing, uh, uh, JMV. Your take uh, uh, on the retirement, your take on the video, and your take on whether or not he actually means it. Yeah, he's done. He's going to move on to that $75 million per year Fox NFL analyst job. He's going to move on to that. He's he's done. There's no doubt about that. But, yeah, it's kind of interesting if you were walking along that beach this morning, maybe trying to find some seashells and stumble upon Tom Brady retiring for real for the final time ever. But he's going to go down in history, Tony, as the greatest of all time. He's the GOAT without absolute question. And 
you know, some will probably also throw out the question whether or not it was advisable for him to return for one more year. And everybody speculates on, look what it cost him. It cost him his wife. It cost – nobody knows that. Nobody knows that whatsoever. I agree with that. But, no, nobody uh, knows that. Yeah, nobody nobody knows that. The guy wanted to come back. This, the guy was still – he had a down year for Tom Brady. But, I mean, what the hell is a down year for Tom Brady anyway, Tony? I mean, 45 years of age, 23 years – you just simply cannot say enough. Even if you're a staunch Colts fan and you hate the guy because he had, you know, seven Super Bowl titles and, you know, your team had one and then lost one, you have to give respect where, where respect is due here. And it certainly is with him. Just the greatest, really the greatest career of all time in anything, right? I mean, is there anything, I mean, anywhere that has done done better um, in terms of football, in terms of sports, than what Tom Brady has done in 23 years. It would be tough, I think, to find one. Debatable, maybe, but tough to find one. Uh, so we, we can discuss all, all the accolades, and of course he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. This isn't a, a, a debate right there. I personally don't have any issue with him coming back for one more season. You want to go out on your terms. You want to go out uh, your way. I have, I have zero issue with it. Uh, it it's just it, it adds now to this uh, – hey, this – lack of quarterbacks that exist uh, in, in, in the NFL and, and now says to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they gotta, they're now a team that has to go out and find somebody unless they feel the people they've got behind them backing them up are, are, are worthwhile. Um, but I, I question the extent to which does this change how other teams take a look at everything. Right, you planned differently for Tom Brady for a great number of years. Does this does this create for Tampa Bay the all right? Well, I guess uh, we don't have to worry about them anymore. Does this create opportunities for other teams in other places? How how do what is the real uh, fill or backfill to Tom Brady retiring? Well, I mean, maybe that now is going to be a destination location for somebody like Derek Carr. Tony, I mean, maybe somebody that's, that's a quarterback reclamation type of project in the NFL. We, we do know this. I mean, we know they did not have the type of Tom Brady season and certainly the Tom Brady and Buccaneers ending that they wanted. They got rid of their offensive coordinator, uh, Byron Leftwich, a couple of weeks ago. So they're going to start new there. I think Kyle Trask, I'll have to look this up. I believe it's Kyle Trask that is their backup. But no, they may be in the market to be kind of what the Colts have struggled to do and perform in the past couple of years. And that is, you know, putting a Band-Aid over a situation right now. I think what, what you do know is when you're a quarterback like that, it is certainly different. But, Tony, when you're a quarterback of the NFL, and I'm going to put this in Colts terms here, you are in after March. You have to make a decision like this because you're the quarterback, the most important position in, in sports. You make this – known before March because that gives your team time to plan via free agency, via the draft, whatever. And that's, that's something that, again, the Colts did not have because Andrew Luck ended up retiring when, when he did. I mean, when you're in in March and you're that big of a quarterback, you normally should be in the entire season. So they got time to figure that out. That may be a destination for, you know, one of these veteran guys like Derek Carr to end up landing something like that. Or maybe they go the draft route, taking a flyer on somebody. Uh, coming up in the spring in the NFL draft. But uh, obviously, there is a major makeover in Tampa, and that may end up adjusting you know, some of the thoughts on the draft, some of the thoughts on who's going to be available in the draft, because now Tampa Bay obviously is seriously looking. 
JMV 93.5, The Fan in Indianapolis. I appreciate you taking the time, man. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. a story related to absolutely nothing, I'm having trouble getting things from Amazon. I mean, the things are specific. They're computer parts. They're they're computer parts because my kids wanted to build a computer. And, And so we did this a few years ago, a few years ago, four years ago, five years ago. They wanted to do a little upgrade here and a little upgrade there. I'm like, well, why don't we just build another one? And we'll sell the one we have and it'll kind of, it'll kind of average out. Which then got me into the whole thing of exactly how disposable of a society have we become where after like four years, you're building a whole new PC. And then some people are like, you wait four years between building PCs? <laughs> Everyone's got a take, man. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything. TonyKatz.Locals.com. TonyKatz.Locals.com. So it's a power supply. We're waiting on a power supply I have just ordered my third. The first one, after a a series of delays, sorry, uh, we're not going to be able to get this to you. And you realize it's not Amazon, it's whoever's selling it through Amazon, it's it's out of stock. And so we ordered another one. And we're starting to get the same kind of messages, oh, it's going to be late, and then you take a look at the tracking, and you're like, this thing is is not tracking at all, this thing hasn't left, they, they don't have it. They're telling me that it's going to be late. They're not going to have this thing at all. There's no way. So I just ordered my third. It's a power, a 750-watt power supply. That's that's what I'm told that we needed to get. That's what what I ordered, right? I, I, I do the buying, but, but the kids have to do all the research. And to the very best of your ability, you can't order things from China. Oh, you want, you want to send your kids on, on, a, on a fool's errand? That's that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Yeah, order computer parts. Can't be from China. Have a nice day. Because the first thing you got to do is figure out where the thing is manufactured, and that's super difficult. You know, I have, for a long time, for a very, very long time, believed that we have to, in the United States, um, have, n- no matter the store, it must state on the product whether or not it was made in China. And it should state whether or not it's made in the United States. So if it's made in China, it has to say clearly. And if it's made in the United States, it has to say clearly. You don't have to go searching for it. You don't have to look for the box. If it's on a shelf, you have to tell people so they can make a decision. And the decision should be always, we don't buy things made in China. Does that mean you're going to pay more for underwear and some kind of household appliance? You better believe it. And it's worth it. It has to be worth it. And China is the enemy of free and thinking people. We're, of course, not talking about the people of China. We're talking about the Communist Chinese Party. The Communist Chinese Party is the enemy of free and thinking people. Therefore, they have to be thwarted. They have to be stopped. And the only way to stop them is to, well, stop them. The way you hurt them is financial. That's the way you hurt them. You have to financially stop them. And you do that by not buying their products. That's how it happens. That, that's how it works. Do you know how hard it is? 
to not buy Chinese-made products? And right now, I can hear you screaming in your car, yes, we know how difficult it is, because we've all been through it. We've all gone through this thing trying not to buy the Chinese products. It's freaking difficult. Super difficult. And, and try and do it with tech. Oh, you know, we had, a, we had a flood in the house, right? During the, the, uh, the Christmas uh, holiday, we, we were gone for a few days, came back uh, to, a, to a flooded, well, part of the house. So we have, we have one of those tri-levels, which I guess are not in vogue anymore. Everyone wants the open floor plan. Honestly, a little too much openness. Uh, and so they want the open floor plan. So the, the tri-level, I guess that's a, that, is that a throwback to the 70s or 80s? I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, and, and admittedly, it's a little awkward because you have space, but the way the space is broken up, you don't have continuity of space. So it's, it, it, the rooms become this little bit of misshapen and they're too big for this, but too small for that. And there's a whole wall space issue. Admittedly, it's peculiar. It's a strange thing, but it, it works for us very, very well because what we, we've said to ourselves is we are never going to live above our means again. You know, I, I talk about the fact that, that when I lived in California, I, I lost every dime I owned. I, I lost everything when I lived in California. Lost my house in Florida. Uh, just, just, oh, I mean, we, we did the short sale, right? We did the short sale. I still, I still pay on the thing, right? We worked out a deal and I just pay it every month. I, I'm not here not to pay my bills. I worked out the deals and I paid everything. That, that's how it happened. I I had a real aversion. I mean, things were bad. Things were really, really bad financially, and it was a conversation of, of, of do you go bankrupt? And and I decided not to. And I, I don't know if I was right or or wrong in in not doing it. Just something told me that that was not the move to make. That that there may be a time that something like that has to happen. I certainly thought about it then because just things were, were devastatingly financially bad. Um, but I, I, I know I can get through this. It's just going to take some time. And, and I don't want to utilize that bullet in my bandolier. So uh, credit card companies and the bank's like, okay, what do we figure out here? And they were like, well, can you do this? And I'm like, in some cases, like, yes. In some cases, like, no, but I can do that. And they were like, that's cool. And I knew I'd take the credit hit and everything else, but worked it all out and then paid it off. And so it's it's weird that that was the that was the, the the depths of the financial hellscape. The weird thing on the other side, no debt. Like my house. That's it. That's it. That's super weird. Um, because it it. Well, I mean, it was a lot of hard work to get to this moment. <laughs> that that much is 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 for sure. It took a lot uh, to get here, but it to be here without the debt is really, really something else. Because I know, I know, as I travel around and I look at like, I look at like how many cars someone has in their garage, or I take, you know, they're talking about the vacation plans, and I and I say to myself, you see the stuff on on social media, it's like, exactly how much debt are they in? There's no way that people have the dollars for all these things. Some cases, sure. All the cases, no shot. Exactly how much debt do people have? And I am left to believe, after having these conversations with a series of people, it's a tremendous amount of debt. 
like an insane, irrational, I'm not so sure how you sleep at night, amount of debt. That's that's my my take. I I, I don't know if I'm right. I think I am. But I I brought this up as as I was talking about you know getting the goods. I'm like I'll I'll, I'll buy the computer parts. You the kids have got to put the thing together, right? And then we'll take the old computer and we'll sell it. I mean if we, maybe we'll donate it somewhere, right? Do some good with it. But but we'll sell it and offset and it'll be solid. We 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 can do this. We can afford to do this. We can do this. And it's 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 a bit of a skill set, right? It's it's a bit of an investment into them learning how to do these things. So it's it's not just about how you build a machine, which is pretty important. It's about how you do all the other things, how you 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 put all the pieces together, how you engage the research, and how important that is to know what it is you're buying. You know, I was discussing the other day uh, the 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 need, the incredible need in in the state of Indiana, and I think in the nation, if we're going to pretend that public schools are working, we should be teaching home ec. We should be teaching the skill set of setting a budget and and doing all these things and and how you go about doing research to buying something. It's an important skill. You're not just like, oh, first price I see, I'll take it. What are you a uh, and, and an oil chic. Very few people are can be like you. You either own oil fields or you're Paris Hilton. We're like, I'll take it. That's it. By the way, Paris Hilton poll. You're welcome, everybody. Everybody else, everybody else, gotta do research. You gotta understand what it is that you're buying. You gotta take a look at price points and see where. All right, maybe I'm paying a little bit more, but I get this out of it, not that of it. You got to make those decisions. And so uh, I think that having them do it and go through this process, even though it probably takes longer than if you were doing it, it's it's worth it. The The education is worth it. So they, they, they ordered all this stuff, and yet uh, somehow, somehow you, you have this situation where you can't get a power supply. I'm like, why can't I get a power supply of all things, of all the things, uh, graphics card, shut up immediately. RAM, no problem. Uh, uh, the, the the actual tower, a new tower to fit everything. Can you hear that? Like right away, no problem whatsoever. But the, the, the power supply has been a thing. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why that is. I don't know why just the power supply, but it's it, 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 it has been a thing. So I've ordered my third now. Uh, figuring that the second one will never get here, and I figure if the third, if the if it does, then I can just return this one, and we'll 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 be all right. I might as well at least uh, place my bets. But if anybody knows why power supplies have been in short supply, I, I'd I'd love to know. I would absolutely positively love to know the answer to that question. That would be great. Uh, Tony at TonyCats.com or uh, Tony Katz on the Twitter box. I'd appreciate it. Find everything TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz today. Every now and then, the New York Times will do something to surprise you, shock you, really. And I'm not so sure that's what they meant to do, but that is certainly the way I took it as I caught uh, Noah Rothman's Twitter feed and, of course, his piece about the worldwide COVID re- revolts over there at Commentary Magazine. 
to a, a retweet he did of an opinion piece at the New York Times. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. I know, I know, it's the New York Times. What am I thinking? What am I doing? You can't trust these people. And that's absolutely true. But it's an opinion piece. And it's an opinion piece written by Lucy Meng, who's a journalist who lives in Beijing. And what she is reporting on is the absolute incompetence of the Chinese government when it comes to COVID. The irrational, nonsensical belief, the lie that somehow and in some way lockdowns would work, that the zero COVID approach would provide a result, which of course it didn't. There was never a chance that that was going to happen. There is nothing that lockdowns did except harm people. And in China, those lockdowns killed people. We, we will see the damage done to Americans later in life. We will see what it's done to kids and their education. We will see what it's done to capitalism and the idea of entrepreneurship. We will see what it's done to dating and birth rates. We will see it all because it's all going to play out right in front of us. We will bear witness to the damage that we have done to ourselves. In China, it's a different conversation because people really died in their homes when they were locked in and told they couldn't leave, screaming for food and drones that would fly by, resist the urge to sing out, resist the urge to be free. That's China. So she talks about the fact that she had a, a positive result on her rapid test and she was so scared of people finding out she hid in her apartment. But it was three days after that where the government gave up fighting the virus the way they did. Remember all of the protests that took place in China? And you're like, well, what was the result of that? The result of that seems to be that China gave up on the idea of zero COVID policy and of lockdowns. And what happened immediately afterward? Tens of thousands of people died. Because they got COVID and they had other issues, uh, they were older and infirmed, uh, they had what we refer to as comorbidities, and they died. Lockdown saved no lives in China, and they did not save lives in the United States or anywhere else they were tried. Lockdown saved no lives. What's fascinating is that this woman goes, goes through this, this story about how the government doesn't allow vaccines that work. We can talk about Pfizer and Moderna and issues with the vaccine from now until the end of time. And of course there are issues, but we should also be aware that there are plenty of people who took this, have had no issues whatsoever, and they had lessened symptoms. I'm not saying no symptoms, lessened. That was the whole damn point. But we've always been very honest about what, what the vaccine does and, and doesn't do and, what, and, and, and the foolhardiness of the booster conversation. We've always been very clear here. So this is a pretty easy conversation for us to have. And then it's a conversation of how desperate people were for things like fever medications, right? Ibuprofen, for example. These things, because people were still getting sick, they didn't have anything else, and they, and they needed things to just deal with. Remember, if COVID hits you, it can be like the cold. I have a couple friends who have had COVID over the past few days, temperatures and feeling terrible. So you want to take ibuprofen, you want to take this or that, right? It would make perfect sense. You treat it like a cold. 
They don't have those things. And where they have those things, those things are on the black market. They don't have access to them at the local CVS. I am stunned that this story made the New York Times because it exposes, oh, look at the how well the communist Chinese are doing. Oh, look at their fantastic rail system. My gosh, they're doing this with solar. This is a horrific, oppressive regime where you're going to spend thousands of dollars to get a freaking aspirin. You cannot find the goods and services. If you wanted something like Paxlovid, which some people have used for COVID, sells on the black market for over $7,000. This story is sensational. Not because you're like, oh, that's great. No, it's, it's a horror story. But what's sensational about it is that it is it, it shares clearly that if you think China is some kind of advanced society, you have no idea. And if you support things like communism or authoritarianism or government control or government dominance, you can never have a worthwhile society. These people lived through hell and are still living in hell because of the oppressive government that tells them, look how much we're helping you. Look how much we do for you. Communism inspires nothing but a, a prayer for a quick and painless death. And the people who live under communism live in hell. And you can't get an aspirin to make the pain a little easier. Check out this story from the New York Times. It's titled, It's As If Nothing Ever Happened Here in China. It really is fascinating. Find everything, TonyCats.Locals.com. TonyCats.Locals.com. Tomorrow, everyone, you be good now. Take care.